This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Lord, we are grateful uh, for a time to look into your word. Jehovah, we pray that you will speak to us today. Holy Spirit, teach us the word. Open our understanding. Open our hearts and make our hearts receptive to your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Uh, my brother Wally talked about it this morning. You know, first things are very special. Amen. First things are very special. I say, but seek you first the kingdom of God, and every other thing will be added unto you, right? First things are usually very important. Amen. Very important. For example, if you have a list in priority order, whatever is at the top of your list, they are probably very important to you. And the first thing on your list is either the most important or the most critical. If you have a, a list that is in prioritized order. Amen. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, after God was done creating the world and creating the jewel of his creation, created man, the first thing he said to man is, be blessed. Be blessed. So as far as God is concerned, blessing is important. It was the first thing he said to man. He said, and God blessed them. That's the first thing he said. He, he, then he began to pronounce blessing upon them. So that, why is that important? That's very important because it is possible that you are a child of God and things aren't going well. He said, whatever your experience, just know that you are blessed. Amen. He knew the challenges they would face in the garden. And the first thing he assured them is, when the snake comes, know that you are blessed. When the lion comes, know that you are blessed. You are blessed. We talked about blessing a few months, a couple of months ago. And we defined blessing as the unction to do stuff. Amen? The unction to function so that you can be successful in life and whatever else. Right? So God made that promise to them to remind them that you are special. And as Pastor Cole will say, he will say, God's promises in your life are much greater than your problems. The promises of God for your life, they are much greater and more powerful than the problems you may have. I want to remind us this morning, as we look at the text of Scripture, saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. I want to remind us that God will not lower his standard for us. You say, oh, this is a new generation. This is not like old times. Things have changed. All of that may be true. But God is not going to lower standard because we are in we are the hip generation. We are the generation that has technology like no other generation, and we have all of these things. No, the standard of God remains the same. 
He still expects, as he expected of them, when the text was written, that we will put God first in everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the expectation of God of you and of me is that you and I will put his kingdom first in our lives. Hear this. Above your family. Above your career. Above your marriage. You say, Pastor, you're trading on dangerous grounds now. You're saying I should put the kingdom of God above my own life. That is very correct. That is very correct. Why? Because, take for example, a man that is a kingdom man that is married to a woman will honor and respect that woman. You know why? Because that man is a kingdom man governed by kingdom principles. A woman that is a kingdom woman that has put the kingdom of God first, that the kingdom of God is, is, is her priority, has put God first in everything, will honor and respect her husband. Why? Because she is governed by the principles of the kingdom. This is why it is of utmost importance for you and I that we put the kingdom first. Can I challenge you with a thought today? Majority in the church, I don't know which position the kingdom is. Think about how you make your decisions. When it comes to decision, do you think about how will this impact the kingdom? Let's be honest. We are in church. I said it jokingly before. Liars will go to hell. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Do you prioritize the kingdom of God? When it comes to anything in your life, just think about it. Your career decisions. Do you think about the impact of, the, of that on the kingdom of God that you are a part of? Your marriage. As you make decisions who to marry, who not to marry, are you looking at the kingdom or are you looking at, excuse my language, figure eight? I mean, it's part of the criteria. It's just not the first criteria. <laughs> I'd be lying if I say I didn't consider myself before I got married. When I saw this chick, I'm like, whoa, 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 check this out, you know? So I, but I considered everything, you know? But the number one priority, ask her, she will tell you, what's the kingdom? What's the kingdom? After I'd made a decision that this was the person for me, I could not proceed until I was sure that the kingdom was secured. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So what is the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Pilate asked Jesus in uh, John chapter 18, verse 33, he asked him a question, are you the king of the Jews? What he was really asking him was his jurisdiction. Every kingdom has a territory, Right? Every kingdom has a territory, and they have subjects. So when he said, are you the king of the Jews, it's asking him to define his jurisdiction. And Jesus answered him. In 30, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers will fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom 
is not of this world. So he said, the kingdom that I'm talking about is not like the one you know. The, the domain of the queen of England or the king of France or the king of Spain. He said, that's not the kingdom that I'm talking about. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Why? Because my kingdom is not defined by boundaries and territories. My kingdom is not tenured. Because in every kingdom, there is no king that reigns forever. The king will die one day, and somebody else will succeed the queen. I mean, the king. In this case, the queen of England. She's lived very long. Everybody will die. One day she's going to pass on, and somebody else will take the reign of authority. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is the one and only king. Cannot be dethroned does not expire, its tenure is forever. He said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom because as king over this kingdom, I rule and reign forever. Hallelujah. In earthly kingdoms, you have subjects, right? Subjects of the king. In God's kingdom, you have sons and daughters. You have co-inheritors to the throne. Hallelujah. This is a special kingdom that he has called us into. The kingdom that is being referenced, when we talk about the kingdom of God, what is being ref ref referenced is the realm of salvation. The realm of salvation. That is why Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, 12 and 13, I believe, he said we have been translated. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Some other translation says into the kingdom of light of his marvelous son. Something up to that effect. Praise the Lord. So when he's talking about kingdom, he's talking about salvation. The evidence of the kingdom is in the one that is living out kingdom characteristics and kingdom attributes. I asked a question many years ago, many years ago. <laughs> if Christianity becomes a crime today, will they find enough evidence to prosecute you? If Christianity was a crime, and they pick on somebody, so they pick me, say, Koye, come here. And they look at my life. Will they find enough evidence that I'm Christian to be able to effectively prosecute me? What that simply means is, are you living out the kingdom of God that's in you? Am I representing the kingdom? Do I represent the kingdom of God well? Amen. Jesus said to them, let's read Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, uh, the New King James Version. Luke 17, 20 and 21. He said, now he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. 
So the kingdom of God is not a destination that we're going. That is heaven. We're going to heaven. We're going to reign with Jesus. Amen. When we die, we go to heaven. You know, and at the second coming of Jesus Christ, not the rapture, at the second coming, when he comes back with the angels to take over, we will come with him, all clothed in white, and you know, we're coming to reign, <laughs> right? So when you, when, when he's talk, what he's talking about here is not a destination. He says, the kingdom of God is in you. If somebody was looking for the kingdom of God, when they see you, they should know what the kingdom looks like. Do you have the attributes of the kingdom? Do I have the attributes of the kingdom? If you are a part of his kingdom, it radiates out from you in your conduct, in your conversation, how you treat people. The way you know who a person really is, is how they treat those that are subordinate to them. You know, I'm from, I'm originally from Nigeria. You know, in Nigeria, you see big senior pastors with maids in their house. The way they, are, they treat their maid tells a lot about their, their character. If I want to tell who you are, I'm not going to look at how you are relating with your friends. If I see somebody that, in quotes, is beneath you, how you treat them is how I know who you are. That's why some, some leaders, the way they, well, no, let's go there. Let's come back to God. Let's come back to Jesus. Because Jesus is our example, is it not? Jesus is our example. Jesus likened the kingdom to a treasure or choice pearls. We talked about this last time. He said the kingdom of God is like a person that has found a treasure on a field, right? By the spirit, he just knew that there's huge treasure here without geophysical techniques and things. He knew. The Holy Spirit showed him. He's confident the treasure is there. He said what he does is he goes back, he sells everything he had. Matthew 13. He sells everything he had, and then he comes to purchase that field. What is that person doing by so doing? He's saying that field has become priority. That field is the most important thing. That field is the number one on my priority, so I'm going to sell everything else, and I'm going to purchase that field. He said that is the kingdom of God. If for you, in quote, you are a part of the kingdom, but the kingdom is an afterthought. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, the calling of God of your life on your life is a by the way matter. Then you are in serious jeopardy. Amen? The kingdom of God is like a man that finds a pure, uh, a pearl. I've been trying. (laughs) Last Sunday I did well. I think I started well today too. Then I went off track. Pearl. (laughs) That finds a pearl of great value. What does he do? He sells everything. What is he saying? He's saying this one thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing. One thing. thing. 
this one thing is more valuable to me than everything else. So what am I going to do? I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to purchase this one thing. So now that you are saved, you are in the kingdom, you are born again, spirit filled, is saying that salvation must be valued over and above everything else. Over and above. Why? Because that salvation is the access to everything else. That salvation is a ticket to heaven. That salvation is a ticket to paradise. That salvation is a ticket to connect to the, to the most supreme being, the almighty God. He connects you to God. Salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are in the kingdom, you know, the way you know is because you are consumed by the kingdom. Everything in your body, your thinking, your brain, your fiber, everything is governed by the kingdom. If you give up, uh, uh, if you are in the kingdom, you know it because you are consumed by it. You will give up anything and everything that wants to come between you and the kingdom. If suddenly you have an opportunity, the first question you ask yourself is what value is this opportunity going to add to the kingdom? Amen? God promotes me. God lifts me up. How? Can I make this promotion, this progress, how can I make it count for the benefit of the kingdom? See, when Jesus came, go read the scriptures. In all the gospels, he talked about the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Why? It was the number one thing. It was the number one thing. The number one characteristic of the kingdom is love. The clip they played was supposed to be clips from our last conversation on Tuesday. We were talking about abuse, you know, but they didn't get the right clip. Uh, Exactly what co-pastor was talking about there is really what I have here. So you had it before you hear it again. Watch this. The greatest law in the kingdom is love. Listen, brothers and sisters. If you truly love, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. There's no way you are backbiting somebody you love. It's not possible. There's no way you deny someone you love something of value to them that you can give to them and you withhold for them. It's, there's no way. Nothing. It's not possible. There's nothing this woman of God wants that I can afford that is within reason that I will not provide to her. <laughs> <laughs> I 
He said, reason together. Reason together. We will reason. <laughs> but truth, nothing. Nothing. I made a pledge to her about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I said, sweetheart, I'm going to retire you from your job. The only reason you will work is not because we need the money. It's because you want the money. And I've done that. She's not working because of me. She's <laughs> she wants the money. She makes the money. She spends the money. God be praised. The greatest law is love. Where there is love, you can overcome and conquer everything. Listen to this. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, they came to Jesus. They were asking him, so which is the greatest commandment? You know, they were trying to trap him. And in verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God. Somebody say, love God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Excuse me. After you have given all, what is remaining? Love. Love with everything. Love with everything. Next verse, please. Next verse. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, uh, there's, a, there's someone that did a research. Uh, it's been a while, at least since I read that. Um, and he found out about American churches. This is not American church, African church. Churches in America, period. So, included all kinds of churches. And the one thing he found out, he said, if you are going to church, you are disconnected. You know, you just come on Sunday, you hear the sermon, you enjoy the music, you dance, and then you up, you leave. You will never be offended. He said, the moment you sign up and volunteer to walk in close proximity with people, then offenses will come. So the church is good until you get involved. Why? Because that is just the nature of humans. When we are walking closely together, we're going to step on each other's toes. When I step on your toe, it's not because I hate you. It's not because I want to hurt you. It's not because I want to cause you injury. But we're walking in lockstep you know, you're, you are not in the same rhythm with me. I mistakenly stepped on you. That doesn't make me a bad person. Where there is love, there will be no offense because of such a situation. Where there is no love, I know. I know. In fact, from 10 steps away, he's been trying to step on me, trying to step on me. I've been dodging it. trying to step on me. I've been dodging it. Now he now stepped on me. The devil begins to tell you all kinds of stories that do not exist. Oh, he meant to do it. And he's finally done it. Who told you so? You know, as a pastor, 
you get to hear so many things. One thing I have learned in over 20 years of pastoring, it does not matter how juicy the story that is told to me. If it, is, if, it's in, if, it's, if it involves more than the person telling me the story, until I hear from the other people involved in that story, I form no opinion. I'm not calling you a liar. It's just that you say something that connects to this other person and connects to that other person, and you have told me how terrible they have acted. I heard you. I've heard you. That's all. But that I will form an opinion and say, oh, he must be a terrible person. Never. I, I don't have any side. You know, you, you, you are taking somebody. I don't have any. The only side I have is the side of Jesus. And if you are outside of his side, then I can't be on your side. Love. Love. If somebody comes to you with any kind of juicy story about what somebody else said or did to, about you, or about your name, how they have defamed you. Can you imagine if she was telling this and he was telling that? That's the devil. Demons on assignment. Giving people assignment. And very willingly, they are, if God says go, they won't go. Until the demon comes and says, ha, 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 juicy story. Love, 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 love. John 13, 34, John 13, 34, says, so now, I am giving you a new commandment. If you have the red-lettered Bible, these words will be in red, because these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is addressing his disciples, and he's saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. For you to survive after I leave, you have to think and operate differently. I give you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. The same way I, Jesus, have loved you, I want you to go love each other like that. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Excuse me. Was he warned? He said, you're going to deny me. Before the cock crows, three times, you will deny me. He knew. And in spite of knowing, he still denied him. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told the ladies, he said, go tell my disciples that I have risen and tell Peter. He called Peter by name. You know why? Love. Did he know that he betrayed him? Yes. Because when the cock crowed, woo, 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 Peter looked at Jesus. Their eyes made contact. He heard the cock crow. He remembered what Jesus had said. And shame, guilt overcame him. That is why Jesus specifically called him out. He said, tell Peter. Peter. He said, tell my disciples, but tell who? Peter. Peter. If that was you, what would you do? Your best friend. 
Remember, it's the one that caught somebody's ears. He said, arrest who? Are you mad? Cut the guy's ear off. Don't touch the master. Are you, are you crazy? He was that zealous. But when the chiefs were down, his humanity kicking. Excuse me, we are all human. We all have moments. We all have moments. Give people grace. If you are a kingdom man, you are a kingdom woman, offer people grace. Is the grace of God that has been offered to you is the reason you are still here standing today. Many of us, myself included, when I say many of us like that, I'm not just kind of using general, uh, many of us, after we had known Jesus, we went back and ate from our vomit. And he didn't look at you and say, ah, this one, this one is hopeless. There's nothing I can do for this one anymore. If, I, if that was the case, there's no way a person like myself is standing before you and telling you anything today. I'm sure some of my friends from old time, if you t- sit there and say, Koye is my pastor. Okay, come on, stop that. Which Koye? Is there our Koye? That, so, that, that, that's the joke. I used to tell them that Koye is there. So one day, one of them said to me, said, we know, that Koye is always dying and resurrecting. <laughs> Uh, when, when the old church, you know, I was in church on Sunday, I was preaching very powerfully like this. One of them just strolled in. Tall. And the whole, uh, it was a small church. As he was walking, we were face to face like this. He saw me, he recognized me. I saw him, I recognized him. I paused for like 20 seconds. What do I do? Do I recognize him? Do I, I just continue. <laughs> And then after service, we caught up. How will people know that you are a part of this kingdom? Verse 35 of John 13, Jesus said to them, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. What the church is lacking is a God kind of love. As we seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, the number one thing we must put in front of our heart is love. I'm out of time, not out of message. We're going to talk about the benefits of the kingdom the next time. Please rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.